Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast and thank you so much for joining me. And I'm really excited because today I'm actually going to answer a listener question and I'm honestly just going to keep this one isolated because it's a really big question and I think I just want to do a short episode in which I really dive deeply into just kind of answering this one question. So first of all, though, I want to say happy almost Capricorn new moon. This is a really exciting time to set intentions, especially around parting with any limiting beliefs that are related to authority figures from your childhood, parental figures from your childhood that have stuck with you throughout your adult life and are holding you back. It's also a really good new moon for setting intentions around branding or career changes, for creating possibilities for um, upgrades in your professional situation, whether that is a new job altogether or a promotion or an increase in recognition and acclaim in your field. So this is a really exciting time and I hope that you're looking forward to working with this new moon to manifest your best possible life. I think it's going to be a really powerful one. Um, But I want to jump right into this question. So I don't normally do this, but I'm actually just going to go right ahead and read the email because it is such a big loaded question and I really want to touch on all aspects of it. And I feel like if I paraphrase, I'm going to leave things out. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the email. I'm going to obviously leave the questioner anonymous because I don't have her permission to share her name. So I'm just going to read that and then I'll answer the question. So the listener asks, well, first let me start with um, her sort of prerequisite. My sister and I, my sisters and I, are third generation witches, but all of our ancestors in the craft have passed away. In the absence of an elder to guide us, we are left to our own devices, researching and simply practicing what we consider to be our craft. Leaving the the safety of our threesome is what we know we have to do in order to find a mentor or at least guidance, but trusting an outsider with what we consider to be sacred is what we consider to be our barrier. We read books, we research online, but we still feel isolated in our purpose. For us and other orphan or standalone witches, how would you suggest we proceed? So this is a really amazing question. Um, So first, the first thing I want to touch on is she uses the phrase that her and her sisters are third generation witches. And I want to talk about that for a second, because I think that tradition and Um, hereditary practice is something that comes up in a lot of different religious and spiritual systems. And I consider myself to be um, a first generation witch because I don't have any ancestors that I know of, which, you know, obviously I probably do somewhere down the line, but I don't have any recent ancestors that I know of that actively would have called themselves witches or that practiced as intentionally and specifically as I myself do. Um, I'm a pretty traditional witch. I do rituals at the corresponding times. Um, I'm definitely like an active, avid practitioner. And that's not something that any of my ancestors are. None of them would have used that language. None of them necessarily did rituals or casted circles or worked with tarot cards or um, studied astrology in any sort of an active way. 
But at the same time, it really is such a loose term to say that anyone is like a third generation witch or a first generation witch because, well, for two reasons. The first reason is that bloodlines completely aside, all modern witches stand on the shoulders of so many incredible women and some men that came along before us. So even if those individuals on whose shoulders we stand are not your blood relatives and they're in no way related to you, you still have that connection to them. We still stand on the shoulders of other people who came before us who have created this space for us to now practice witchcraft in a way that is modern and in a way that is is safe and that we're not at risk literally of death or um, being arrested um, for practicing and talking about it. So that's really incredible. And I think that's important to note that if you are like myself, an essentially first generation witch in the sense that you don't have any relatives that have guided you or served as a mentor or even practice witchcraft at all, if you just simply discovered it on your own, if it was an intuitive calling and something that your family completely had never dabbled with or introduced to you, then you still have this connection to all of these witches that came before you that are not necessarily in your family unit. So that's something that is important to remember, that you should never feel isolated or alone because you don't have family members that practice. And I can tell you, this is kind of my my second point that I want to make about this phrase, um, you know, first or third or second generation witch, which is that the word witch really does mean so many different things to different people. So it's kind of hard to say whether or not someone is for sure, a first, second, third, fourth generation witch, because that term witch really is so flexible. And what's interesting is that I've never really taken the time in this podcast, as much as the word witch is literally in the name, to sort of assert how I use that word here. And I'm kind of wanting to do that now, because I use that word witch in an extremely kind of open-ended way where it can refer to a woman who is sexually liberated. It can refer to a woman who is actively casting circles and practicing rituals at the major moon phases and calls herself a witch and worships the goddess and mixes essential oils. It can just refer to a woman who has knowledge of herbs and oils and potions and how to use them to heal herself and other people. A witch can refer to someone who is in touch with the cycles of the earth and with the cycles of her body. A witch can refer to someone who is... Uh, lives an unconventional lifestyle and simply expresses herself authentically in every moment. The word witch, in my opinion, can be very spiritual and even religious if we're talking about Wicca or paganism, but it can also be a term that's actually pretty secular. It can just refer to a woman who is confident in who she is. She is sexual. She is awakened. She is intentional. She is connected to forces that are larger than herself, and she is just living her life in a way that she is in control of her shit, and that's kind of how I use that term. So that's why I kind of have trouble with the phrase, you know, first, second, third, fourth generation witch, because as much as technically I would be a first generation witch in the sense that, you know, I didn't have anyone teach me anything that I know now. I had to seek out all of the resources on my own that I um, ultimately used to cultivate my practice. It was something that I discovered on my own. It was something that I just intuitively felt that I was, and I literally was casting spells when I was in second grade. Like, 
it was so intuitive that I was communicating with fairies. Like I, I just always knew and was really confident that I was a witch and I didn't always have that language. In fact, I didn't develop that language until I was probably about 12 years old when I did meet an actual Wiccan who kind of helped me to make sense of it. And that's no one that's in my life right now. It was actually the mother of like my middle school boyfriend. So no one that's particularly important to me, but just meeting someone that was an active witch that still had a life and children and a job was really inspiring to me. And I didn't realize that that was an option because I'd never seen it before. And so that was a really powerful moment, but I still would not at all consider her to be a mentor in any significant way, as much as she was just sort of a living example to me of other possibilities than what I grew up with. But all of that being said, I still don't know that I can say with confidence that I am a first generation witch because my mom, for example, is very, for the lack of a better term, witchy in a lot of ways. She is a woman who is extremely independent. She is a woman who is extremely wise and intuitive and in touch with her body. She is a woman that can look at other people and kind of know what they're thinking immediately. She is a woman who um, practices astrology. And as much as I don't think that she ever dabbled, well, I know she didn't dabble to the extent that I do, she did have a little bit of like a, a small library. It was all Linda Goodman um, books that she had collected. But that's where I started as I actually discovered a couple of her Linda Goodman books when I was a little girl and was just obsessed with them. And so she did have some resources and did dabble to some extent in astrology and certainly believed in it and acknowledged its validity, but in no way would she have called herself a witch at any point. And we have actually had conversations where she said to me that, you know, she feels that I get some of my witchiness from her. And I think that that's true as well. And her mother down my maternal line, again, would have never used that language, but she was kind of a witch in some ways. She got a divorce way before it was socially acceptable to do so and was completely isolated and ostracized from the community. And she also had a fantastic ability to mix essential oils, and she had um, what I would call just a nose for essential oil and knowing how to create basically potions, although again, she wouldn't have used that language. So it's interesting to think about heredity because it's just so we don't really know. And even if they didn't use the language, even if they wouldn't have called themselves witches, that doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't in some sense of the word. So that's the first thing that I want to express, that I don't want anyone that's listening to get hung up on on their heredity because it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Even if you did have, you know, several witches in your family line that have passed away that you never were able to actually physically meet, or maybe you never did at all. Maybe you didn't have anyone that actually called themselves that or had an active witchcraft practice that you were able to consult with. That's completely okay. It's actually the norm. So don't feel like that is in any way a hindrance to your practice, that you don't have any living relatives that can sort of serve as an elder or mentor for you. That's totally not something that most people have. And I'm actually going to take it a step further. And this is this, this is the second big point I wanted to make. And my um, major takeaway from the email is that it's actually a really good thing if you don't have any living relatives or um, elders who are kind of helping you 
to cultivate a practice. That's a good thing. And the reason it's a good thing is because it really does force you to do that on your own, which is, in my opinion, the way that it should be done, which obviously, again, that's a bold statement. So totally just my opinion there. But I feel like so often in all religious and spiritual communities and not just witchcraft, um, we, we can get tripped up by this idea that we can't do it on our own, that we need to turn to some authority figure or leader to help us figure it out, that we need an example, that someone else is supposed to come in and if not outright tell us what our practice should be like, then to help us to cultivate it. And I really just think that that's bullshit. And I think that if that is there, then we're going to use it. But really, it's more limiting, in my opinion, often than helpful, especially if that's someone um, that you are related to, that you love, and that you maybe want to impress. You want them to feel like you're following in their footsteps in some spiritual way. So it can actually be a force or a factor that's really limiting if you you have an elder in your family that is sort of trying to guide you in some way. It's actually a blessing if you don't have that. And it's something that's going to really force you to cultivate a practice that is distinctly and uniquely yours, which is so powerful. Now, this listener also talked about having this sort of relationship with her two sisters who also practice. And she expresses that she feels like they need to kind of part ways in order to really cultivate a distinct practice. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. I think it's a really good thing, in fact, to have like a community that is safe, that is trustworthy, that is loving and supportive and high vibrational. And it sounds like that's exactly what this listener has. So I want to express that that's not totally the truth, that, that they don't really need to part ways in order to find their own distinct respective paths. They can continue to sort of work together. Although at the same time, I do think that there has to be some level of deviation from community. And honestly, this is all of this sentiment that I'm expressing is very Aquarian in nature. And I am an Aquarius sun. I am a solitary practitioner personally. So not only would I consider myself to be essentially first generation, if we're talking specifically ritualistic style witchcraft, I don't have any known or recent ancestors who have practiced that. And I also am solitary. So I don't have a coven. I don't have, um, honestly, even really any friends that practice. And that's obviously not intentional. It's just not the way it's worked out. Most of my friends are are probably, again, witches in some sense of the word. They're intuitive women. They're sensitive women. They're smart women. They're independent. But they're not necessarily, you know, casting circles at every new moon or setting active intentions or or doing spells. And so in that sense, there's a little bit of a difference. But at the same time, I just don't think you need that. I think that it's more powerful to work solitarily because in that respect, you get to cultivate a distinct practice that is uniquely yours in which you completely make your own rules. And I really am such a big proponent of obviously read the books, obviously, you know, turn to the resources, listen to the podcasts, study under some different teachers, which you can access online, maybe hop into some forums. Like there's so many different resources that actually weren't available um, even at the age that I was at when I was actively starting to um, study and practice and prepare to initiate myself into witchcraft. 
And so use those, absolutely, and it sounds like she is. But I still think that ultimately take what resonates and throw the rest away. And that's the danger, I think, of following one mentor or one person or one elder is that when it's just one person that's guiding you rather than cross-referencing all sorts of different resources, um, it's easy to idolize them and it's easy to just sort of continue their practice. And that's not what you want. You want to create your own from the ground up, I think. I think that's what you want, although I shouldn't necessarily assume that. That's what I want, and that's what I want for you. So that would be my thoughts. It's not necessarily advice or a response um, or as in a call to action, but it is just my thoughts on that email. I really wanted to express that because I just think that there's some really good points made, and I feel like we do, as witches, get caught up in this idea that we need other people, we need community, we need a leader, and we don't. It's bullshit. And a lot of the time, that's what draws us into witchcraft because we know that we see in more traditional religious spheres, such as the Catholic Church, there's a priest, there's a monsignor, there's all these people that are supposedly higher up just because they're elder. And we're supposed to just sort of follow them, listen to them, uh, confess to them. And there's like this strange sort of relationship where they're somehow superior in this rank. And that's just so not modern witchcraft, in my opinion. I think that the most powerful thing that we can do is play around with all sorts of different practices, to read all sorts of different books. Even if we kind of buy it knowing that the ideas are a little radical and out there, just read the book anyway. And even when you have an experience of trying something or working something into your practice or considering a particular set of beliefs or theories from a particular teacher or writer or speaker, even if you have that moment of like, okay, this is definitely not something that I like or want to incorporate into my practice, that is still a powerful moment because you're experiencing that contrast and you just know that that doesn't work for you. And it really is like anything in life. It's like developing a taste for food. It's like developing a taste for partnership and mating. It's like, you know, developing aesthetic taste for your living space. You only, it's a process and you only figure out your practice when you try things and see what works and what feels good and what doesn't. And you might have a really particular rigid practice, right? Like you might like to do um, a new moon, a very particular new moon celebration every single month. You might like to do a very particular traditional full moon celebration every single month. Or your practice might be more fluid, it might be a little more ethereal, it might not be founded in specific rites and rituals from forever ago, it might be a little more modern. Um, Your practice also is going to change, and that's another thing to think about as well, that you're not just going to find your practice overnight. It's going to be a process that is going to continue to ebb and flow, and it's going to evolve with you as you evolve as a witch. And I will say that for me personally, when I first started practicing witchcraft when I was 12 years old, actually, technically I was 13, because I, I followed the traditional model where at 12, I decided I wanted to be a witch. I wanted to declare myself that. And so I undertook a year and day of intense study, which is traditionally what we're quote unquote supposed to do. Although again, I think that that's really kind of no longer relevant as much, but at the time it felt like the right thing to do. So I really just bought a ton of books and just totally 
dove into studying and learning everything I could in that year and day. And then finally, when that period was over, I held a ritual where I initiated myself at age 13 into witchcraft. And at that time, I was so traditional. Like, I really liked to do everything by the book. I followed specific, like, drawing down the moon ceremonies. And if I did do spells, they were always other people's spells. I never created my own. And my practice was just really, really rigid and and specific and traditional and that was because at that time, that's what I needed. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself as a as an independent, eclectic witch. I just really wanted to kind of do what had already been done so that I could have this process of figuring it out. And now, today, I'm almost 25 years old, and my practice is so different. I am so much more fluid. I'm so much more... Um, just kind of feeling in my practice. I literally just go by what feels good and what doesn't rather than doing what some guy, you know, says is supposed to be done. And for that reason, I don't actually consider myself a Wiccan anymore as much as a witch because technically if you're, you know, a Wiccan, that's a very specific religion um, founded in the beliefs and practices of one specific dude. And that's not really my shit anymore. So I would more consider myself to be a witch, but obviously it's, you know, they are related, those terms. So that's just an example of how things are going to change for you. You're not going to discover your practice overnight and it's then going to remain the same forever. So that's really important to be patient with yourself, allow yourself to change, allow your needs to change. And I think that Honestly, this is like the fun part when you do realize that it's time to cultivate a practice that is distinctly yours. You get to undertake this journey that is going to be so incredible. So I don't want you to feel isolated in your purpose because you're not. You are absolutely a part of an ecosystem of powerful women from all over the world that you've never met before, living and deceased who are doing the same thing as you. It might look different, but we are ultimately united in our badassery. And that's something that is incredible about witchcraft is that all men and women and and individuals who practice might have really different practices that don't fit together in the sense that we can work together in ritual because we're different. But at the same time, we are united. And so there is no reason to feel alone or isolated just because you don't have a mentor or elder. And even if you do start to create some boundaries with your sisters and you don't want to you know, practice with them as much because you want to do your own thing, you can absolutely still rely on them as your as your supportive community. And that's another thing too, is that, again, I'm a solitary practitioner, so I don't work with a coven, but I do have a fantastic support system in my life where I can go to talk about my intentions, to share the things that I'm working on magically, to discuss my spiritual path. And that's just because I have loving and supportive friends. They're not necessarily witches or Wiccans, but they love me and they care about me and they are able to then hold my intentions with me as well. And that is the power in addition to just feeling supported in working with a coven. If it's the right coven, 
And if it's the right group, then it will actually magnify your magical work because they're, they're holding that intention with you. And so therefore it does become more powerful. But again, you don't need a coven in this specific sense of the word to, to achieve that level of support and unity. You can have that with your sisters and still fundamentally have your own spiritual path and then just sort of reconnect with them periodically and talk about what you guys are working on and what teachers you've discovered recently and what you might be reading and, um, how your practice is evolving. So it's really, really nice that you have this community that you're obviously close with and absolutely continue to work with them and defer to them. Now, another thing, one more thing I want to say just about covens is that it has to be the right one. It's like any relationship, right? It's like a partnership, a romantic partnership or a work relationship or a platonic friendship. If it's not right, then it's totally wrong. So don't worry if you are thinking that you do. I don't think that that's what she was saying. But if you are thinking that you want to ultimately find a coven that you can practice in that's not your sister's, just make sure that it is a fit and make sure that it, they feel these are people that feel good to be around, that these are people that practice in a way that feels good to you. And that's why I think covens are a little bit outdated in the sense that it's just so unlikely that an entire group of individuals practices in a way that is the same. And again, it's so different to have like that coven relationship versus just having a supportive relationship with individuals that maybe you get together every new moon and, you know, drink wine and have hors d'oeuvres and then like sit around and talk about your intentions and talk about your individual practices. But I am a pro proponent of then going home and doing that spiritual work privately. I just am. And again, that's the Aquarius in me. I'm extremely independent. I like to work solitary because I feel like other people in ritual distract me. They don't feel like an energetic match to me. And that could just be because I've never found the right group or the right person. But I think that it's better to work alone if you haven't found the right group or the right person. So um, I very much think that it sounds like you're doing everything right. And I just want you to know that. And I, and I hope that all of my thoughts have been helpful to this um, questioner. And I felt like this question too was so relevant with the Capricorn new moon because that's what Capricorn energy is all about. It's all about reassessing our relationship to our own personal authority over ourselves and our lives and kind of throwing out tradition and throwing out what other people think and what other people say and, you know, other people's agendas. And so I'm a really big fan of that. And I hope that all of these thoughts have been helpful to everyone listening, because I feel like this is just such a good question, just feeling like you want to practice solitary, but you're just not sure where to even start and how to connect with others. And do you need an elder? So hopefully all of these thoughts have been really helpful to everybody. And um, with that, I think we are going to wrap up. I know this was a little bit of a shorter episode, but I really just wanted to get into it and... I think we did that. So there's not much more to say. Um, if you do have questions though about this episode or generally, or if you have, um, you know, a comment or some feedback, or if you have another question that you want me to discuss here on the podcast, whether it's about witchcraft or crystals or tarot, astrology, living intentionally, relationships, 
I can really go there. I can really traverse the worlds. So please give me a try. Send me an email and I might choose your question to address on the podcast. My email is thesmartwitchpodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can contact me. And I will post the link in the description of this episode for you to be able to do so. And I also want to invite you to to subscribe to my weekly newsletter if you enjoy the content of this podcast. So my newsletter, I send out once a week, so not like bombarded with lots of emails throughout the week, nothing promotional. It's literally a once a week email. It's kind of like my personal blog. Sometimes I'll talk a little bit about my personal life and I'll muse on things that are going on generally. Um, And then I get into the astrology for the week. I publish my weekly gratitude list and I pull a card. So it's kind of almost like a mini reading as well. So it's a really fun way to just stay in touch between the release of podcast episodes. And I will post the link in the description too for you to be able to um, subscribe and find me there. So thank you so much again for listening and being present with me. I hope that you are hanging in there. Times are crazy here in the United States. I'm sure you know that wherever you are, Um, but we're hanging in and hopefully looking forward to a much brighter 2021. Um, Yeah, it's kind of wild, but hang in. I love you. Stay healthy, stay sane, and be well, and I will talk to you again very soon.